good morning. I'd like to ask everyone to stand as we open up in Scripture this morning. Our reading will be Luke 24, verses 2 through 6. Luke 24, verses 2 through 6. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. That's our hope this morning. Join us as we sing. Jesus came forth. 
tell you this morning I, I was telling somebody that last year at Easter I was sitting at my kitchen table doing a sermon which was it's horrible it was horrible that we uh, we were going through what we have in the last year and today we're here with a full house with one another worshiping and it's awesome and I I love this time of year beautiful weather there's turkey season about ready to start and crappie fishing, and we get to celebrate our Savior is risen today. So the most joyous, I think the most joyous day in Christianity, obviously a foundational day in Christianity that we are celebrating today. So thank you for joining us today. For the ones watching online, I know we have a full house and a bunch downstairs. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and then we're going to kind of do a welcoming time where you can... Uh, say hi to each other and whatnot. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, God, to be here today, Lord. And I'm thankful today to be celebrating your victory, Lord, over death and the grave and over sin and over Satan and hell and that you have defeated it and you're victorious, Lord, and you are risen. And so, Lord, today that is a, a reason to be joyful and to shout and to proclaim who you are. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful today that we can come and we can fellowship with each other and worship with each other today, Lord. And uh, So I pray, Lord, over our services today as we lift our voices to honor you. As we preach and teach your word, Lord, today, uh, I, I pray, Lord, for anyone that's here today that is with us or watching online, Lord, that, that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, Lord. No better day than today that they could pass from death to life and they could have new life in you. And so I pray for them. I pray for, for my brothers and sisters here this morning that we be challenged, Lord, over the next year to grow deeper in our walk with you, to grow deeper in our service with you, Lord, to serve you uh, because you deserve it. You deserve the glory and power and honor, Lord. And so I ask you, Lord, to bless our services. Bless this church, Lord. 
Uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of ministries going on, and so I pray for those leaders. I pray for this church body whenever, whenever they leave here today and go out into a lost and, and dying world, Lord, that they, they show the light in Marshfield, that we be a church that shows the light of who you are in this town. God, we love you and we worship you today. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Uh, take a couple of minutes and just tell everybody hi this morning.
So you may be seated this morning. 
Uh, today is what we call the first Sunday of every month here at Crossbridge. We have what we call as Family Sunday. And to, because today is the first Sunday of this month and Easter, we have Family Sunday. And on Family Sunday, all the kids get to come up here for a sermon. So come on up, kiddos. All the kiddos come up here. Get up there, Lando. So here's what has to happen. If you're a kid that stays out there, I'm going to bring the mic and ask you questions. Uh-oh. I'm just teasing. Right? Oh, yeah, here they come. All right. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I won't, I won't do that. Here's what I want to read to you guys. Come on, scoot in with one another. Everybody scoot in nice and good. Make a seat for everybody. There we go. Good group of kiddos today. So here's the passage I'm going to be reading a little bit later on, and I want to read it to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's going to be verses 1 through 8, and this is what it says. And this is Paul, and he's, he's telling us what the gospel is. And this is what the gospel. Here it is. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered it to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, then to, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to the apostles. Last of all, as to, an untime, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So Paul there is sharing the gospel, and, he's, and, and he basically tells us what the gospel is, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again. Uh, on the third day. And so that's what we're celebrating today. Friday, we celebrated Good Friday. We had a Good Friday service, and that's where, that's where we remember uh, the, the day that Jesus died. And today is Easter, and we remember that he was resurrected from the tomb. So here's my question this morning. How many of you have ever went into a cave? How many of you ever went into a cave? And what is something, what'd you do in there? Something neat that you saw in the cave? Anybody want to answer? What's something neat that you saw in the cave? Okay, is this on, Josh? Yeah, okay. All right, big spiders and bats. Rocks, Rocks okay. Spider webs. Poisonous waters. What kind of cave do you go into? Okay. Who saw bats? Rock formations. Crystals, okay. Bats, okay. How many of you like bats? I like bats. They, we actually have bats that fly around our pond at night. And you know what bats do? They're really good. I wish we had more bats because they eat insects and bugs. They eat mosquitoes and flies. 
There's bats inside caves. So here's what they used to use caves for. So now when we go into a cave, it's usually pretty neat because it's, in fact, there's a big one in Springfield. It's called Springfield Underground. And it's a huge cave, and, and it's a, it usually stays about 60 degrees year-round in there. And it's really, really neat. It's this massive, almost like a warehouse. They keep food and stuff. But do you know what they used caves for back in Jesus' time? Okay, good. So they used it, uh, one of the primary things, they used it as a tomb. And so that's what they had done with Jesus. When Jesus uh, had died on the cross, they took his body and they placed it in a tomb, and, and which was kind of like a small cave that was dug into the side of a hill. And so you know what they did uh, on that day? They, what did they roll in front of the tombs? Anyone know? You didn't get, oh, I'm sorry. You finish your question. You saw rocks. Okay, I apologize. Okay. You didn't get to answer either. I'm sorry. Man, we have. I hope you guys are nicer than they're being today. Maybe a long sermon. Dirt, okay. All right. All right, so here's the point. Good job. You guys are smart. So here's the point. They put Jesus in a tomb, which was a cave, and they put a big stone in front of it. And, and then they put Roman guards there because the Romans and, and people had said, well, Jesus had said he's going to rise from the dead, so we want to make sure that nobody comes and takes the body. And then this morning in our sunrise service, we talked about how an angel from heaven came down and there was a giant earthquake and the angel rolls the rock away. And yeah, okay. The angel rolls the, <laughs> the, angel roll, rolls the rock away and, and then guess what happens? Jesus isn't there. He's risen. He's risen. So here's what I want you to do. He had came back. He had defeated death, and which we're going to talk about that this morning, and why the tomb kind of changed. Because now when you think of a tomb or you think of a cave, you know what you to think of? Just like Miss Sierra Friday night, you guys had that Easter egg hunt. And what did Miss Sierra do? She hit, she hit a couple of eggs that were what? Empty. Empty. So when you go inside a cave, you see neat animals and all that. But what I want you to remember is it's empty. And you know why it's empty? It's just like the Jesus' tomb is empty because he's alive and he's risen, okay? So think about that when you go in a cave. And when it gets about 100 degrees outside here in a couple of months, talk your parents into taking you to a cave because you know what it'll be? It'll be like 60 degrees inside there and it feels really, really good. So I, I want you to remember that. The tomb is empty, okay? The tomb is empty. Thank you, guys. Let me pray for you, and then you can go back and sit down. Did anyone not get to say anything that they wanted to say? Come here, Jazz. What do you want to say, hon? Um, I was wanting to say that one time my family and me, um, we went to this cool water park. Um, it was where Boston and Piper used to live. That's a cool, a cool water park. That is awesome. Hey, you know what? I know that every time I ask them a question, you guys lose your breath out here. And I personally love that. I love that. All right. Let's, let me pray for you guys, and then uh, you can go back and sit down, okay? Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for all these kids, Lord. I, what a blessing our children are. They are a blessing from you. You love children, Lord. And so let us always care for our kids and love them and 
Train them up to love you, Lord, and to learn about you. And so I pray for them today. Lord, I thank you that the tomb is empty, uh, God. We love you and we worship you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, kids. Good job. Thank you. Some good answers this morning. Good job. Good job. You notice I always try to avoid giving my kids the mic. I don't know why. Okay, so announcements. Real, real quick, just a couple of announcements before we worship and then uh, have our sermon this morning. No uh, men's Bible study tonight. It's Easter, so we encourage you uh, to spend the, spend the day with your families. If you got here for the sunrise service, you're probably, like me, going to take a nap this afternoon. But I want to thank all of the men and guys that cooked this morning. What a great breakfast we had this morning. They did a great job. So a big thank you to all you guys who got here early. Yeah. Big thank you for that. Uh, hey, we have Bible study on Wednesday nights. So Wednesday nights, I think, are extremely important. A lady told me this years ago, she said, I need Wednesday nights because it gets me from Sunday to Sunday living in this lost and dying world. So it's important. Come on Wednesday night. We have dinner with one another at 6.15, and then we have classes at 6.45. We have children's classes, youth classes. I encourage you, if you're not going anywhere on Wednesday night, to do that. Next Sunday is a really special day. Uh, next Sunday during the morning worship, it'll take, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes maybe. But we're going to have the kids. Uh, we have four kids that have worked really, really hard memorizing Bible verses. And they're competing in something called Bible drill. So you're going to have an opportunity next Sunday to watch these kids compete. And let me tell you, they will put you to shame. It is, it is amazing how much they've learned. Uh, and I'm really proud of them. We're going to do associational Bible drill next Sunday uh, morning here at the church. Also, next Sunday, there's a women's lunch and ministry uh, that's going to uh, roll out, kind of the ministry rollout. Ladies, you're going to have lunch together right after morning service uh, downstairs. Also, we have men's prayer breakfast on April 17th. We get together. There's usually, I don't know, like 10 of us or so that get together, and we meet at Grillo's here in town, and we have breakfast, and we pray. And so maybe you have a prayer request this morning. Maybe you're a visitor. We do have visitor cards on each side of the sound booth, probably some in your seats there. If, if you would like to fill one of those out, I'd appreciate it. But also, if you have a prayer request that we can pray for you over, um, please write that down so we can get it to our prayer team. We have a prayer team that meets on Wednesday night uh, also. And then there's a, a mission trip meeting. So this summer in June, they are going to Charleston, uh, Missouri. We went there last year. It's an amazing opportunity to go and share the gospel and serve uh, people. So that uh, they're having a mission trip meeting at 3 p.m. Uh, next Sunday, uh, April 18th, at the association office at 3 o'clock. So we've also got new members class that's going to be starting the last Sunday of this month. Maybe you may come in and you think, hey, I want to join this local body of believers. Come and talk to me. Come forward during the invitation. Let's talk. Uh, you would then start the new members class. Uh, to be a member of this church, you just have to have made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus and been baptized. And so we can talk to you about that if you want to become a member. That new member class will be starting at the end of the month. So I don't think I have anything else uh, this morning on announcements. Did I forget something, Carol? Okay, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., the ladies have coffee. Where at? 
the prickly cactus. Okay, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., ladies, you have coffee with one another at the prickly cactus. Yes, Shelly. Yes, yes. So tomorrow at noon, Mountain Moving Monday, take time at noon tomorrow to pray about abortion. You guys know that's near and dear to our hearts in this church, that we are supporting the fight against abortion in multiple ways. The Walk for Life is going to be coming up too uh, before too long, and we'll have a team for that. So any, anything else that I forgot? Okay, if you would stand, we're going to take up our morning offering today and have a, a, a time of worship. Uh, before we dig into God's word together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll bless our morning offering uh, today. Lord Jesus, again, we're here today, Lord, and we love you. And as we enter our time of worship, God, we fall down and, and worship you with everything that we have, Lord, everything that we are. And Lord, so I ask this morning, we enter our worship time that, uh, Lord, you bless our offering today, Lord. Let us use it to further your kingdom, to share the gospel, to bring truth and righteousness to our city, Lord. And um, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the many blessings you give us. We thank you, Lord, that you provide for what we need. We may not get always what we want, but you provide our needs. And Lord, so we thank, we're thankful for that. We want to lift our voices in praise to you in song and in the teaching of your word. God, we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. i 
Thank you, worship team. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. These are going to be the same verses that I read to the kiddos. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. It says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of, all, uh, last of all, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Let us pray again together. Lord Jesus, again, we bow our heads humbly, Lord, in praise and worship of who you are. God, and I pray uh, today for the people that are listening, that are people that are here today. Lord, I pray for myself that we'll be, more, be made more into the image of who you are, Lord. Lord, that you'll convict us where we need to be convicted today. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged, Lord. Lord, if there's people here that need salvation, Lord, I pray you save them today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, like I said before today, we Christians, we're gathering to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior and Lord. Let me say this as I already got an amen. It is absolutely okay if your kids scream and holler, okay? It is not going to bother me at all. We will get through it, okay? Um, But as we celebrate this, and churches are probably more full across our country than than they ever are at any other time of the year, I saw a study that came out this week. And I'm not surprised. In fact, I'm more surprised that the numbers aren't lower than what they are. But for the first time in our history of our country, less than 50% of people identify as being members of a body of believers. Less than 50%. 
About 30 years ago, that number was about 75%. And so we see we can look around today and see there's a lot wrong with our world. There just is. There is much wrong with our world. Hatred for one another. Hatred at the sanctity of life where people will walk into a grocery store and kill their neighbors over nothing. Yesterday, two days ago, somebody drove a car up to the Capitol killing a police officer. I can just go on and on, and I try not to watch the news. I really don't, but it seems like this hatred is more prevalent now than any time in our lives and any time in our lives. So Jesus here had been crucified. He had been put in a grave. And I can't imagine what his followers must have been going through. Sadness, shock, wondering what could have happened. How could have Jesus, even though he told them he was going to come back, just the shock and the sadness of that he had been crucified, that he didn't save himself when he had healed so many people, he had done so many miracles, that he didn't save himself and their bewilderment. I think back, and I, and I read this story, and I want to share it with you. There's, there was a lady named Ruth Dillo that in 1991, her son had went off to Desert Storm, and she re- received a call that no parent would ever want to receive that her son had been killed in combat. And for three days, she, she was obviously very upset and hurt and just sad and grief, and I can't imagine the shock just of what she was going through She says, and I quote, for three days I wept. For three days I expressed anger and loss. For three days people tried to comfort me, but to no avail because the loss was too great. And then after three days her phone rang. And on the other end, it was her son who said, Mom, it's me. I'm alive. She said she couldn't believe it at first. There's no way. But then she recognized his voice. And he really was alive. The message that she had received was a mistake. Boy, there would be some people in trouble for that mistake, I'm sure. But this is what she said. She said, I laughed, I cried. I felt like turning cartwheels because my son, whom I thought was dead, was really alive. She said, I'm sure none of you can even begin to understand how I felt. Now, I wouldn't be able to understand but I'm sure there's some people in the pages of the New Testament here would absolutely understand how she felt and experienced some of those same same emotions. Their teacher, the one they had followed for three years during his ministry, had been crucified. They witnessed his pain as he cried out. We talked about Friday when when, when when he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They listened as he bowed his head and said, it's finished. And Father, into, my, into your hands I commend my spirit. They watched as his body was taken off the cross and placed in a tomb. And we talked about this morning in sunrise service, how they were scared. They didn't know what was going to happen. Friday and Saturday they mourned. They were heartbroken. But then, as Luke chapter 24, which turned there, let's read it. Friday and Saturday they mourned, but then Sunday came. But then Sunday came. 
Luke 24, 1 through 7, says this. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. He's risen. We celebrate that this morning. That's why we're here. That's why thousands of people will pack into churches just like here all over our country. We see the evidence in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. 500 people. We see the evidence of his resurrection that 11 out of his 12 disciples were willing to go to their death proclaiming Jesus as Lord. Not for financial gain, not for anything other than their belief and their faith in Christ. That in, its, uh, in itself, to a simple country guy like me, is enough to understand that Jesus really did rise. Jesus really died and he was put in a tomb and he really did rise again. So this first cha- the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians here, we call this the great resurrection chapter. Paul goes on in this chapter to present a tremendous testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there's no Christianity. If Jesus doesn't rise again, then he's not proven as the perfect sacrifice. Without Jesus coming back, we do not have the hope of eternal life. Without Easter, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. And this is what Paul says. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, he says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Now I want to focus on one word that Paul says there this morning for our message, and it's change. What changes happened because of Jesus' resurrection? What changes happened? The first one I want to talk about is the change of the cross and the tomb. To illustrate this change, think about the cross and the tomb. Before his resurrection, what was the cross known as? It was known as an instrument of death, horrible death. A wooden beam, two wooden beams that you would hang a person on, this form of execution that the Roman Empire handed out was actually prohibited that they would do to Roman citizens. It was the most grueling of things that you could go through. It was only for the worst of people, uh, the worst of criminals, enemies of the empire. But what what are the changes that happen with the cross? Well, there's two things that the cross today should remind us of. Because of his resurrection, when you see a cross, what do you see? We wear it, some people wear it as jewelry. We put it on our cars. We see it as a thing of beauty. It's a beautiful reminder. It's a symbol of love 
and hope, a reminder of what God did for us, of what he did for us because of that. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'll read that again. God demonstrated his own love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So maybe you're here today or you're listening and you think, man, I've just done too much. I've done too much in my life to be forgiven of. I've got too many issues. This preacher obviously don't know what he, what's going on in my life. There's no way that I could be saved. Maybe you thought this morning that just by walking in here, maybe you're listening online, maybe you thought you're walking in here today, that you'd get struck by lightning. You know, that's the old joke, right? If I walked in the church, I'd get struck by lightning. Maybe that's you on the inside. Maybe you were drugged here this morning because of that. I want to tell you today, Christ died for you right where you are. You know what he doesn't ask us to do? He doesn't ask us to get ourselves cleaned up. He doesn't ask us, will you do this before you believe in me? You do this or you do this work or you stop this and then I'll be accepting of you. He doesn't say that. Paul says he died for us while we're still sinners. He loves you right where you are with your baggage and everything. Right where you are. John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11 tell us some of the earlier manuscripts don't include these verses, but uh, it, it's a great illustration of this. It tells us about a woman caught in adultery. This woman was dragged before Jesus, caught right in the middle of the sin of adultery. According to the law, here's some trivia. What should have happened to that woman? She should have been stoned to death right there for adultery. Think about how hard that law how, how just brutal that sounds. In our country, people commit adultery every day and don't bat an eye. In their culture, in their law, in God's law, she should have been stoned to death. But what did Jesus do? He showed her love. He showed her love. While she was caught in the sin, while she was in the sin, he showed her love. So when you think of the cross, he changed how we view the cross. The cross should now be a symbol of love, hope. Also the cross is a reminder for us, brothers and sisters. Here's where we're going to get some challenging stuff. It's a reminder for us to pick up our cross daily and follow him. Luke 9.23 says that. Jesus says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. What was Jesus saying about that kind of cross? He was saying that to crucify yourself. Crucify your desires, your wants. To be a follower of Christ is a daily commitment. A daily commitment. Let me say this today about Easter. Our churches are full of people that I'm glad are here. I'm so glad they're here. But there's so many people that come on Christmas and Easter, and they come a couple of times a year. And if you were to ask them if they 
If they believe in Jesus, they'd say, yeah. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Let me say, if you're worshiping Jesus just twice a year, you're okay with that? You're like that? You don't have a relationship with the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that I know is one that you want to worship every day. doesn't mean we do. doesn't mean we still don't sin. It means that he's changed our desires. I just want to use my own, my own testimony this morning because nobody can throw tomatoes at me for sharing my own testimony, right? But 11 years ago, I was, I was a lot like a lot of people who go to church. I went to church and Selena and I, we sat, we listened to the sermon, we'd get up and leave. Shake the preacher's hand, I'd walk out the door. We'd go to church, but if there's something else more important going on, if there was something else that I thought, you know, I wanted my attention to go to, I was okay with that. And then one week, our church had a pastor, and they had what churches call revival, but revivals are for the church, right? They're supposed to revive the members. And this gentleman came in and preached, and I felt like the whole week, God was hammering me personally the Holy Spirit. And he was saying, Jeff, you know what this says, because you were raised to know what this says. But you're not living it out. In fact, you're not really doing anything for me. You come into church, you give the least that you can give. You have no service. Nobody outside of these doors would even know that you're a follower of Christ. And I was very much convicted of that. And that week, I said, God, I'm going to do whatever I need to do for the rest of my life to serve you. I'm going to do whatever I, whatever I can do to serve you. That's what I'm going to do. And from that week on, our life changed. Our families changed. Our family totally changed in how we did things and our priorities. From that moment on, you know what that week was for me? It was saying, Lord, I'm willing to pick up my cross daily and follow you. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher or you're going to... But it does mean that Christ is the most important thing in your life. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, the most important thing in your life should be Him. It should be Him. The real Jesus of Scripture says, take up your cross daily and follow Him. That means you long to spend time with Him. You long to worship Him. You long to serve Him. You want to crucify your own desires for him. So maybe you're here today and, I don't know, you're just doing your time. Maybe you're just doing your time. You're doing your time because kids, mom and dad make you come. Youth, mom and dad make you here come. Parents, maybe you're here because, I mean, it's just what you're supposed to do on Easter, right? Maybe, maybe that's why you're here today. If you're here today with that kind of an attitude, I'm, let me say, I don't know if that's anybody here. But I believe the Holy Spirit will work. And if that's you, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit convicts you where you are right now. If that's you today, I pray, I pray that you get right with the Lord Jesus. That you tell him, Lord, I'm willing to do anything for you because I love you. That you pick up your cross. For those that say, you know, I don't really want that. I don't really want that. I want to be able to do what I want to do. I really want to live my life. I want to live my life, preacher. 
You're getting into my business now. That's not why I came to Easter. It's not why I came. I want to share with you Jesus' words. They're some of the most, I don't know how to, how to say it other than just um, scary in all of Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. It says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know what that's saying? That's saying that there's going to be people that stand before God and say, well, God, I was a good person. I mean, I went to church a couple times a year. I worshipped you. I sang the songs when the worship team did that. I, I gave a little bit of money. I, I did it. I listened to the preacher even though when I was really tired and I wanted to go to sleep. But he's so loud, he keeps me awake. If that's you this morning, that's Jesus talking to you. And he's saying, stop fooling yourself. He says, you're not a follower of mine. That's what he's saying. It's a warning. It's a warning. If you go through your list and you check off your boxes... Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. You never committed your life to me. Your actions didn't show that you love me. Depart from me, I never knew you. That is too many people. Listen, it, it, it bothers me because that's too many people that said in American churches every week, it's the truth. It's the truth. My question this morning is, only you can answer this. I can't answer it. Have you been, are you willing to take up your cross to follow Christ? Are you willing? Listen to me. This isn't a works-based salvation. The thief on the cross next to Jesus that believed in him, Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That guy never worked, never did anything. He acknowledged who Jesus was. That can happen. Absolutely it can happen. But today, if we sit in church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, we're not changed. I would encourage you to examine yourself. I would encourage you to examine whether you have a personal relationship with the Lord. Do you have a longing to read His Word? A desire to pray to Him? What else changed? What about the tomb? Before the resurrection, before the resurrection for the most of the world, the grave was looked on as what? A final chapter, the end of everything. When you die, you're done. How many people claim to be atheists and believe that when you die, you're just done? You know, the saddest thing is to be an atheist. You know why? Because you have no hope. You have no hope. When you believe that you die, you're just dead, there's no hope at all. Because of the resurrection... Because of this empty tomb, we can rejoice today because we know, brothers and sisters, that life actually begins after death. Real life begins after death, and it's never going to end. 
But that also can make you think, why do we spend so much time worrying about and fretting over material things? Why do we spend so much time worrying about stuff that really doesn't even matter? All our lives, it seems like we work and we struggle to accumulate things that the world would tell us is important. I'm not saying to be a bum and don't work, okay? Get a job and work hard for your family. That's a biblical principle, right? Work hard. I'm saying, why worry about stuff that really don't matter? Why worry about that kind of stuff? All those things are just unimportant. What does it really matter what kind of car we drive or house we live in or how much money we make? None of that matters if you're a follower of Christ because you have an eternal perspective. What's my favorite verse? I want to share it on Easter. My favorite verse in all the scriptures, Mark 8, 36. For what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Nothing else is important as that. On this side of the resurrection, we see that the eternal, eternal is everything. Before the resurrection, everything's temporary. That is the difference that the resurrection makes. We get an eternal perspective. The tomb is empty. We know that our life will end after, or our life will begin after death. What else changes? Now we have a change in life. What else changes? We see a change in life. I I try to encourage you not to listen to the news because it can just be really depressing. But if you look around our world, you hear hopelessness and despair. People are committing suicide on record numbers around our country. It's just depressing. It's depressing. We have become so painfully aware of terrorism on our planet. Whether we admit it or not, our our, our men and women in our armed forces are engaged in fighting some of that across the world, even at home. There are diseases that we go through that, well, just like this year, there are diseases with no cures, problems at home, children, child abuse. People are homeless all over our country. If you watch and listen very long, you're going to be filled with despair. Just like I'm doing to you right now. But I don't want you to be because you understand that if you have a personal relationship with Christ, you have hope. You have a hope that the world doesn't offer. You can live life. Here's the verse. You can live life. John 10.10. Jesus said, I have come to bring you life and life more abundantly. You can have joy. You can have joy that surpasses all understanding. When you are in Christ, when you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ... Most of the time, you're just joyful. You're, you know, it doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen and you're not going to have sorrow in your life, but you know there's something better for you. You know that what we have in our country is not, not the end game. We are not citizens. If you're a follower of Christ, I love our country, but we're not citizens of America. We're citizens of heaven. And so we have hope. We have hope. Even in this life that is racked with pain, sorrow sometimes, we have strength that comes through Christ because of the power of his resurrection. Last thing this morning. His resurrection changed death. I've touched on this already a little bit. There's a change of death. Before before the resurrection, death was the end. 
Before the resurrection, death was the final curtain call. Before the resurrection, all we could do is mourn because there was no hope. But after the resurrection, when someone dies, we mourn that we've lost a loved one, but we mourn as great people who have a hope because Christ is alive. We know. You know, going to a funeral is not fun. It's not usually a joyful time. But when you go to a funeral of somebody who's your brother or sister in Christ, it is a joyful time because you know that they are they're standing next to Jesus Christ for all eternity. How amazing is that? That gives us hope and comfort and, and, a, and, and an excitement. Our sins are forgiven by his blood that he shed. We have a promise of ever, everlasting life. That changes the whole concept of death. I mean, I'm getting up there. I'm 41. Now, some of you are going to laugh and say, you're still a young buck. <laughs> Alan's already laughing at me back there. Alan says to me about every week, I'm, I'm on my last leg. And he smiles when he says that usually because he has joy and hope and knowing that, you know what? It's okay if something was to happen. I know, listen, I know if I was on my way home today and I was in a car accident and I was in eternity, I'd be partying. Now, I'd be sad for my kids, but I'd be, oh, man, it'd be awesome. I'd be a Jesus. That's the hope that a believer has. Somebody who's not a believer, they don't have that hope. They don't have that hope. I want to read you a story as I close this morning. There's a man named Carl, and Carl had a great estate. And one of his favorite pastimes was riding horses. And so he was riding through this valley... And he looked at everything that he owned and he was congratulating himself on his great wealth. And one day as Carl was riding along, he came up over his hill and in the distance he saw one of his farmers, one of his tenant farmers. It was an old man named Hans. And it was lunchtime and Hans had a little table under a shade tree, was about ready to eat. And before he ate, he bowed his head and folded his hands in prayer to thank God for his food. Carl watched this old guy, this old man named Hans, as he prayed. And he looked at, it as, he looked at his meal and he said, if, if it was only a slice of bread and a piece of cheese, with a sneer, Carl said, if, all that's all, if, if that's all I had to eat, I wouldn't bother to pray. I wouldn't even pray. Hans said humbly, it's enough. And I'm thankful that God's provided it for me. Taken back by his answer, Carl turned his horse and prepared to ride away. But before he could leave, Hans said this. Wait a minute, I need to tell you something. I had a dream last night. In my dream, I saw a beautiful scene. I heard a voice saying, Tonight the richest man in the valley will die. Tonight the richest man in the valley will die. Whatever, Carl said as he rides off. But as he was riding, those words started to haunt him a little bit. Well, could that be true? Could I die tonight? When he got home, he called the doctor and he told him of Hans's old of his dream. And he started having some pains. He started aching a little bit. You know how that, what well, is really like that for me in our house. If somebody in our house gets sick, I start pre-treating myself for whatever they got. Well, that's what Carl was doing. Carl's like, I, maybe I am dying. I don't know. So he calls the doctor. And the doctor comes over and he says, I mean, I, I'm pretty foolish maybe to pay attention to his dream. But I just wanted to be certain. The doctor says, rest assured, you're healthy. You're not going to die tonight. 
So Carl went home and went to bed. And next morning, he got a knock on his door. And the messenger said, Carl, Hans died last night. Truly, the richest man died. Why was Hans the richest man? Because he had a personal relationship with the Lord. That is how we should value. Paul summed it up in 1 Corinthians 15. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? There's not one when you're in Christ. The grave doesn't have victory. Jesus has victory. So you see, as I close here, the resurrection does make all the difference. It makes all the difference. Before, things seemed so important. Now, they're petty. They're insignificant. Before, time was limited. Now, we have all of eternity. Before, life is filled with despair. Now we have purpose and direction and meaning. Before, death was the end. Now, what is it? It's the beginning of all eternity. Wow. I'm going to ask our worship team to come today. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, do you know the real Jesus? Do you know the real Jesus? The Jesus of this book. Have you professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? If your answer is yes, yes, Pastor Jeff, I do. Here's the follow-up. Is, is your life show it? Is your life showing it? Are you taking up your cross daily and following him and serving him? Or are your own desires getting in the way? If your answer is no, what's holding you back? Being a follower of Christ is a lifelong commitment. It's a, but you know what it is? It's a life-changing commitment. It's the, it's, there's nothing else that's, when you become a follower of Christ, there's nothing else that's as important as that. Now today, I believe you've heard the truth. And the question is, will you be obedient to that? What are you going to do with it? Sadly, I believe there'll be people that hear this that will leave still lost. Listen online and still be lost. And you know what you're doing? If you do that, you're playing with eternity. I believe today with all my heart that one of us could stand before the Lord Jesus today. I pray, I pray that not if you're not saved. If you are, it'd be okay if you do. But if you're not, I implore you, believe on the Lord Jesus today and he will change you. He will change you. He will mold you and your life will change. Will it always be easy? No, but now you will have hope. Here's the second part to this. We're about ready to take communion today. Communion is a very, it's honoring the death of our Lord Jesus, his resurrection and him, come, him coming back. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion, just that you have made a public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus. 
But before we take communion, before we have this invitation, I do want to warn you what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So examine him. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat and drink of the cup. This is why many of you have weak and ill, and some have died. An unworthy manner, there's two ways you can take communion in an unworthy manner. One, not being a professed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I implore you today, if you've not done that, do not take communion today. We don't have communion, police. This is between you and God. It says examine yourself. The second way is if you are living in unrepentant sin. Unrepentant, rebellious sin against God, don't take communion today. We implore you not to because there are consequences that Paul says. That's why some of you are sick and some have died. So don't do that. So we always, during the invitation, have a time where you can spend. If you are a follower of his, you can confess your sin to God and be repentant and take communion with us. If you're not a follower, families, our children are in here today. Take charge of your children. If they are professed followers of Christ, let them take communion with us. If they are not, don't have them take communion today. If you need me to pray with you, I will. This is serious. This is the gospel. This is eternity. It's serious. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come, you can come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you were willing to go to the cross for us, that you died for us. While we were still in our sin, you were willing to die for us. I worship you today for that. I worship you that you proved that you were God in flesh, that you defeated sin and death and our punishment by being resurrected. God, today I believe that there's people that are hearing this that are lost. They may have been in church their whole life, but they are lost. Lord, they've never never professed you as their Lord and Savior. They've never believed on who you are. Lord, I pray today, today is the day that they get down on their knees. Just like the man in scripture that says, be merciful to me or I'm a sinner. And they will believe on you. Lord, I pray this morning for that. I pray for our brothers and sisters in here who are attending this church. Lord, that are attending this church and maybe even members of this church. And are lackadaisical with their relationship with you. Just like I was. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict them that today will be a changing day for them and their family, that they will serve you, Lord, that they will honor you and love you because they will see, have a great need to do so because of what you've done for them, that their families will be changed today. God, I pray that they humble themselves, get down on their knees, confess their sin to you. Lord, you, you let us make U-turns. You let us turn to you. And that's an amazing thing because of your love. So, Lord, I pray today for the people that need to turn to you. Lord, strengthen this body of believers to preach the truth, to teach the truth, to stand on the truth, even when it becomes very unpopular in our country. Lord, we love you, and all we want to do is honor and give you the glory and the praise. It's in your name I pray.
We have numerous people that are making decisions for the Lord Jesus, and that's an amazing thing. So I'm going to ask you to be seated today, uh, and we're going to take communion with one another. If our elders could please come forward this morning. I hope I'm not burning anybody's roast or brisket or anything else you got on. But if we are, order some pizza because God's working, right? Amen. So once again, we do not require that you be a member uh, of Crossbridge to make uh, to take communion, just that you have made a public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, the night that he was betrayed, Jesus met with his disciples to celebrate Passover. And in Matthew chapter 26, it says this, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. And he said, and he took a cup, and he had given thanks. He gave it to them, saying, drink it, all of you, for, the, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So this today should be a, a reminder of us of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And not only is it a reminder of what he did, that he fulfilled that prophecy about himself, 
but that one day he is going to come back. And we should look forward to that day with joy and excitement as his followers uh, in that. So I'm going to grab a mic here, and I'm going to ask Denny if this morning he would please bless the bread. Lord, we're so thankful as we come before you this day that your son Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again. Lord, as we partake of this bread and, and remember the sacrifices you made for us, may we plant it in our hearts, God, to understand the full meaning of everything you've done for us. Thank you for that gift. In Christ's name, amen. While we pass this out, uh, church, if you, if you will just spend uh, some time in quiet reflection and prayer over what Christ has done for you. Stay on. 
we have as elders is serving each other communion and serving our congregation communion. We will take this together. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take ye and eat. And he took the cup, said, drink it all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. I'm going to ask Max Hartman if you would bless the cup. I'll trade you. You got it? Father, we do look back to the cross and the blood that was shed for a wretch like me. And I just look to the change of lives and the, that, that are here in this congregation, the people that have, have life instead of death, have hope instead of despair. And we just love you and we thank you and we just lift you up and honor you with this. And we look forward to your coming again. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Take ye and drink. So as scripture says, they went out rejoicing and singing. We can leave here today rejoicing and singing. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I do want to call uh, a couple of people up here today that have that you can uh, congratulate. Um, Trey and Eli, you guys want to come up here this morning? Trey has come this morning uh, requesting uh, membership in this local body of believers. So that's a very, very important thing. He is, uh, he's been in our freeway program for uh, over six months now and um, is doing great. I mean, he is, it is a very, very demanding program. We'll talk about that more uh, in coming weeks. But you got anything you want to say, bud? The support that you guys have given me uh, throughout the six months that I've been here, I just appreciate that. Awesome. Step on up here. All right, so Eli has also come this morning. Eli Thurman. Uh, I know I know this guy really, really good because he is uh, dating my oldest daughter. <laughs> and uh, he is an awesome young man. And uh, he's actually completed discipleship. He went through discipleship with me. Uh, and so, uh, I, you know, they're in a pretty serious relationship. And this guy's going to be around uh, for a while. And so I'm really, really proud of him. He doesn't say a whole lot. He's soft-spoken, but he's a hard-working guy. And he loves the Lord and uh, definitely see God using him in years to come. And he's going to have to put up with me, which is going to be very, very demanding on him. Uh, but you got anything you want to say? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sierra will be the talker, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm very proud of these guys. Uh, also, uh, Josh, you want to say uh, with Alyssa? Yes. All right. Come up on up. Come on up here, young lady. Um, so this is Alyssa. Everyone knows Jenna, one of my bonus children. Um, she has made very good friends with Alyssa here. She's been hanging out with us a lot in our house. And a few weeks ago, they've become very good friends. A few weeks ago, Alyssa came upstairs after uh, church. We were having lunch at our house, and she goes, "What? 
does it mean to be saved? And we talk through the gospel and share the gospel with her. And she's thought about it and prayed about it. Um, and she has ex- uh, decided to profess belief um, in the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. So Amen. just excited to see that. And that's just, <clears throat> that's, that's a testimony of what the Lord can do through something as simple as a Sunday afternoon lunch and a friendship. So um, always, be, always be spreading, as I always say. So anything you want to say? We've also had numerous people this morning that have came uh, and said, hey, God's, I need to get busy for the kingdom. I've got a couple of meetings with a couple of young men after church that came up in, in tears that God's working on their hearts. The Holy Spirit's working today. Um, if, you, if you want to visit with us about membership or baptism or anything like that, please get with us. I'm going to ask Josh if he would close us in prayer this morning. I, I pray that you have a wonderful Easter resurrection day. Uh, The Lord is risen, and I would love for you to come back next week if you don't have a church home, uh, if you're visiting. We have freeway on Saturday nights, all that good stuff. If you got any questions, come see me. God bless you guys. Josh, if you want to close us. Actually, we're supposed to close in song, aren't we? Wes, you want to close us in song because they went out singing after the Lord's Supper. So let's close in song uh, this morning. Sorry, Josh. Well, how about we do this? Wes, you sing. Josh, you pray. Here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the opportunity to come together this morning to worship you. We come before you in praise and adoration for your defeat of death. Uh, We glorify you and bring you all praise. And I I ask, Lord, that we would take this remembrance, take this celebration forward throughout the whole year. Um, Help us to remember that you did raise and defeat death, um, and we can rejoice in that. Um, We just love you, Lord, and we praise your holy name. In your name I pray, amen. Come around and shake hands of those up here who have made decisions.